You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the Fan Side Network. Today's episode of Locked On Wolves is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy Timberwolves game day and happy weekend. The Wolves this evening will close out their homestand by taking on Jimmy Butler in the Miami Heat before a difficult upcoming road trip. Today, we're going to talk about Wolves Heat. We're going to preview that and talk about what the Heat have been up to of late and the kind of season Jimmy Butler is having for the Miami Heat. We'll also, of course, talk about the uh, the matchup and what to expect there. We're going to start with just a couple of notes, news and notes here off the top, and then get into a little bit of an Anthony Edwards conversation. And I want to talk about today why I think that Anthony Edwards will be a better professional basketball player than Andrew Wiggins. Um, lots of similarities, both number one overall picks, both 19 years old as rookies, and similar prospect profiles, which I talked about at length, at great length, throughout the seemingly never-ending hiatus slash off-season last year. Um, but I want to talk about the first two-thirds or, or so of Anthony Edwards' rookie season compared to Andrew Wiggins' rookie season, which was a rookie of the year winning season for the Timberwolves several years ago. So that will be uh, the middle portion of the show today. We'll close with the Wolves' heat preview. Before we get to all that, though, as always, a quick reminder that you can follow Lockdown Wolves on Apple, on Google, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Anywhere you get podcasts, you can find this show. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves. That's at Lockdown T-Wolves. Do not forget the T. Also, at B-Beacon is my Twitter account. That's B-Beacon, two B's, two E's. C-K-E-N will be back live tweeting games Friday night. The matinee games this week were tough, uh, but back to the uh, back to live tweeting on Friday evening for Wolves Heat. Okay, so a couple of quick notes. Number one, the Timberwolves do not have Carl Anthony Towns listed on the injury report for Friday. It does sound like he will play in Friday night's game. Of course, he missed the last two games due to personal reasons, the one-year anniversary of his mother's uh, death last year due to COVID-19 complications. So he missed the debacle, uh, I guess, debacle of a loss on Tuesday and then also on Wednesday against Brooklyn and Milwaukee, respectively. So he'll be back Friday, which is great. Also, it will still or it will remain a 7 p.m. game and the Timberwolves plan to have fans in the arena on Friday after playing a couple of fanless matinees on Tuesday and Wednesday. And uh, it seems like the situation, at least in Hennepin County and everything, seems to be uh, the Timberwolves feel good with having that evening game. I, I don't, I guess I don't know the status of the curfews and everything, but um, sounds like this will remain an evening game on Friday night. So that should be, uh, that, that'll be good, certainly for the players to, to get back to a little bit more of a normal routine. Um, let's start the Anthony Edwards conversation now. There really aren't any other news or notes out there uh, specific to the Timberwolves. So let's start the Anthony Edwards conversation. First, I want to hit on what he clearly needs to improve on from the defensive end of the floor, because I think comparing Wiggins as a rookie defensively, number one, I don't remember the way that he played defense quite as well as obviously I'm, you know, Kurt, we're currently in the midst of watching Anthony Edwards as a rookie. It's really hard to compare what Wiggins did defensively. The metrics aren't 
super kind for Wiggins. They never really have been defensively. It's always been a case of him having the ability and the physical profile to succeed as a, as a switchable defender in the NBA, but not being consistent until really this year. I mean, he, he should flashes with the wolves, but he has been better defensively with the warriors than he had, than he was for much of his career with the Timberwolves. So I'm not necessarily going to compare Edwards and Wiggins defensively. I want to get into the offensive comparison here shortly. First though, I think it's notable that many of the metrics that are out there are actually starting to turn a little bit in terms of Edwards' success on the offensive end of the floor. But defensively, there's really no two ways about it. He's been an unmitigated disaster as a defender. Again, obvious. uh, this will be the obvious caveat throughout. We're talking about a 19-year-old that's played 56 games, started 39 games at the NBA level. So just because he's a disaster now doesn't mean he will always be a bad defender. But he's been really bad defensively. just kind of pulling just a sampling. So like the LeBron metric, which is a B-ball index comprehensive metric I've talked about before on the show, which by the way, B-ball index, if you have a subscription over there, it's only five bucks a month. They have everything compiled together, all these different um, advanced metrics pulled into, into one location for each player. So LeBron is actually their metric. He's second. And then they also have percentiles and a grade. So he's second percentile defensively the defensive LeBron box um, metric at, at B-Ball Index. Second percentile, that's an F. They also have Raptor, which is the 538.com metric. He's first percentile in Raptor wins added. He's 10th percentile in defensive Raptor. That's a minus 3.5. ESPN's box score real plus minus. He's a minus 3.7. That's the first percentile, not the top one percentile, like, like the bottom 1%. And and by the way, I went over to ESPN and looked at this. Um, he is currently second to last among all players. He's graded as a small forward on ESPN, but he's 97th out of 98 players in terms of defensive real plus minus. Uh, the only player he's better than is Marcus Morris Sr. of the LA Clippers. But the number 96 player is Daniel House of the Rockets, and he's a full point better than Anthony Edwards. So there's a massive gap between number 96 and number 97. He's been bad defensively. There's no other way to say it. Um, And a big part of its technique, we saw this, I don't even remember who the player was. It might've been Bobby Portis, but in the Bucks game on Wednesday, um, no, it was actually, I think it was Drew Holiday actually. In the Bucks game, Anthony Edwards, it was like a secondary break. It wasn't even really like, it wasn't, it wasn't like he was in bad position, but Edwards just got completely blown past. It was like he was standing in quicksand and just couldn't move his feet and was like kind of caught back on his heels. It's the equivalent of when on offense, he basically kind of lulls himself into a flat-footed jumper. But defensively, Anthony Edwards just won't be ready to move his feet. We won't be ready to move laterally. Obviously, he's got the quickness and the athletic ability and the skill to do it. But I mean, we see how nimble he is offensively with the spin moves and his step back jumpers and his first step is so fast and so explosive. Why does it look like he's got shackles around his ankles defensively at times? And it's just technique, right? It's technique. It's um, anticipation. There's a real lack of anticipation when he's guarding the ball. I mean, we've seen him jump passing lanes and, and mostly not really as a straight gamble, but calculated risks. We've seen him successfully jump passing lanes a lot of late. He's on this crazy steel streak, which the Valley Sports North broadcast can't stop talking about, but turns out his one-on-one defense is actually just terrible. Um, so it, it's a lot of its technique. 
and then a lot of it's effort and then also understanding of team defense and where the help is, is going to be and where it's not going to come from. And oftentimes when you're on the perimeter, you're mostly on an island and his poor technique and then lack of effort in terms of getting into position in transition is the biggest thing. Um, I'm not saying he's not trying in the half court. I just think that's more of a lack of technique. It's getting back in transition is the biggest issue. And I talked about that. I think it was the Brooklyn game on Tuesday when it was especially terrible. And, you know, if if Edwards, you know, Edwards talks a lot about a lot after the games about the team needing to to want to win more and things like that. And I'm not saying he doesn't want to win, but when he doesn't run back in transition, I mean, that's a pretty easy thing to point to and say, well, if you want to win, why aren't you hustling back in transition the vast majority of the time? Um, and that to me is, is the most frustrating thing with him because if he was passable defensively, he's good enough on offense. And we're going to get to this in a moment. He's starting to get to the point where he's not a, a net negative on offense. And he was earlier this year, believe it or not, because of his, his high volume shooting and lack of accuracy, I guess, and also lack of drawing fouls earlier this year, but all that's starting to pick up a little bit. Shot selection's improving a little free throw rate is improving, um, and so if he could just be okay on defense, you're talking about a guy who's a legitimate, you know, rotation caliber player in terms of his on-court production. Nothing to say about his ceiling or his future yet. I want to talk about that a little today, and specifically compared to Andrew Wiggins. But in a vacuum, he just hasn't been a very good player this year, not including all the rookie context and everything. But he's starting to come around on offense. If only he could bring something to the table on defense. And that's that should be the easiest the easiest thing to fix here moving forward. Next, I want to get into the Wiggins Edwards comparison about their rookie, their age nineteen seasons, and there's a lot to compare, a lot to like. Honestly, as hard as I just was on Anthony Edwards about where he's sitting right now, uh, you know, roughly two thirds of the way through his rookie season. First, let's talk about our title sponsors of today's show, and that is our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar of all time, hands down. Tastes exactly like a candy bar. No joke. There's 18 amazing flavors to choose from. I just placed another order uh, late last week, so that should be here any day now. There are six brand new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. My favorites of that group, cookies and cream and cherry barcia, are both just phenomenal. Just delicious. Completely delicious flavors. Every single Built Bar is covered in 100% chocolate. They're all soft and easy to chew. They're perfect if you're health conscious, if you're trying to lose or maintain weight, while still indulging in a delicious treat. Every single Built Bar is low in calories, low sugar, also high protein and high in fiber, and perfect if you're on the keto diet. You can go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, let's talk about Wiggins versus Anthony Edwards. Both were rookies. I guess I'll I'll first set up the obvious similarities quickly because if you've listened to the show, I've talked about this a ton over the offseason and a little bit here and there since the start of the current season. Um, 
both players were, were in their age 19 season as rookies. Both were one and done college players. The main difference in terms of their college careers is Andrew Wiggins played at Kansas, which is a fantastic basketball program. Anthony Edwards stayed home and played at Georgia, was on a below 500 team, not historically a great program. Both were consensus number one overall picks, basically. I mean, Edwards, there's a little bit of mystery. There wasn't really with Wiggins, uh, you know, kind of towards the end of each of their respective college seasons. Everyone knew they were going to be the number one pick. Um, Andrew Wiggins, again, with Kansas, they were in the tournament. They were good. Kansas is perennially, perennially a good team. Edwards was not good, or his team was not good. He was not in the tournament. And so their roles were a little bit different at their respective uh, schools. However, the prospect profile was very similar. Both players were high volume, high usage guys, both ultra athletic, both have strong looking jump shooting form, but the results are just not where you want them to be in terms of accuracy. Both struggled a little bit with shot selection, with settling for jumpers. Both have strong defensive tools, athletic ability, lateral quickness, the, you know, the profile of a strong NBA defender, but neither defended all that well in college or with any consistency. Of course, they're different sizes, and I think that's important to mention. I mean, Andrew Wiggins is 6'7". Anthony Edwards is, what, 6'4", basically. So um, it's not exactly apples to apples. I mean, Edwards is more parts two. Wiggins is more of a three, but they both have played the two and the three. And in today's NBA, the wing is largely interchangeable in a lot of systems. And so, you know, outside of the size, the the actual profile of the player is very similar. And I had very similar concerns heading into the season with Anthony Edwards as a prospect, as I did with Andrew Wiggins, uh, based on what we saw from Wiggins' career. I was afraid that Edwards would be high usage, that he wouldn't shoot well enough from three, that he wouldn't pass the ball enough. And when he did, he wouldn't pass it well. I was worried that he would not draw enough fouls, that he would not be good defensively. Most of that has been the case. However, there have been things that are clearly better than Andrew Wiggins was as a rookie. Most certainly. Um, let's start with this. So as rookies, the assist to turnover rates have been really impressive when you compare Edwards to Wiggins. As a rookie, Andrew Wiggins played a lot of two guard and some three for the Timberwolves. His assist rate was 9.8%, which is not great. His turnover rate was 11.7%, which is really not great, especially when your assist rate is so low. So he actually had a higher turnover rate, more turnover, you know, however you want to slice it. I mean, you could, you could even just call it turnovers per game. Um, His turnovers per game, if you want to look at it that way, were higher than his assists per game. But the turnover rate was 11.7, assists per game was 9.8%. Anthony Edwards has an assist rate of 13.6% and his turnover rate's only 10.6%. So- much, much better in that category. And I've been saying this really since the start of the season. Edwards has shown flashes as a playmaker where he's making reads. And, and actually, we haven't seen it as much recently because he's been attacking the rim so much and also happily shooting threes uh, with, with high frequency. But Edwards was getting into the paint and finding cutters earlier this season and was making the advanced read in pick and roll game and out of isolation sets. Andrew Wiggins did not do that as a rookie. And he barely does it now, honestly. I mean, he's done a little more this year with Golden State, but Edwards already was creating early in his rookie season more than we saw from Andrew Wiggins as a rookie or th- really throughout his Timberwolves career. Um, the low turnover rate for Edwards, I think, is more a function of 
of his high usage rate. And he just, he isn't making the risky passes, uh, which is good. Um, but facilitating is not, is not like option one A or one B on his list. Right. And we've talked about his pass out percentage before on the show. That's a B ball index statistic. Um, and they've got his, I'm going to try and pull it up real quick here. Yeah. His drive pass out rate is 27.1%, which means he only passes out of a drive to a teammate 27.1% of the time. That's 39th percentile grades out as a D plus league wide. His drive assist rate is six and a half percent, which is 41st percentile or a C minus. So, you know, passing when he's driving is not something Edwards has done a ton of, but the point is he's doing more of it than Andrew Wiggins. The understanding is there. The court vision is there. It's clicking with him like, hey, what's the proper read here? That's at least on his radar to do, right? And that's head and shoulders above where Andrew Wiggins was as a rookie. And again, for much of his Timberwolves career. Now, an area where he's not as good is, or I should say an area where he's actually better also is rebounding. And I ripped on his rebounding the other night. I think it was just the Milwaukee game the other afternoon, I should say. He had zero rebounds in like 35 minutes, which is just absurd. But his rebound rate, believe it or not, as a rookie is higher than Andrew Wiggins, 7.5 to 7.2%. So not a lot higher, but his defensive rebounding rate is significantly higher. 12.8% to Wiggins had a 9.5 as a rookie. And that's good. I'm not ultra concerned with with his rebound rate only being 7.5% yet, um, but because we've seen some of these bursts where he's had eight or nine rebounds in a game, he just had an eight rebound game this week, the day before he had the zero rebound game. So I think it's a consistency thing, which you could say across the board for him. And so I'm less concerned about that. And I'm encouraged that it's in the same neighborhood of what as what Andrew Wiggins had been doing as a rookie. The biggest separating factor for why Wiggins had a better rookie season than Anthony Edwards, though, is free throw rate. As a rookie, Andrew Wiggins had just an insane free throw rate of 0.41. That means that for every field goal attempt Andrew Wiggins took, he got 0.41 free throws. Or another way of saying it is 41% of the time he attempted a a field goal, he also got a free throw attempt as a rookie. That's crazy. Look at Andrew Wiggins' career. And that number is actually the second best of his career. Only his second season in the league when he was 20, did he have a higher free throw rate for his career? His number is 0.319 and he did a 0.41 free throw rate as a rookie. This season is actually a career low for Wiggins, a 0.24 free throw rate. His free throw shooting percentage has also gone down. His best years were his first three years in the league and they've been, he's basically been sub 71% since then from the line. Um, But the free throw rate as a rookie was astronomical for Wiggins. Part of that's because Flip Saunders was playing him in the post a lot was giving him post touches, was was getting him the ball in positions where he's more likely to get fouled and in trying to instill confidence in him that way and increase his versatility. Edwards is not getting very many post touches and he's been good when he gets mismatches in the post a handful of times this year total. But until recently, he was not drawing fouls and that free throw rate's ticking upwards. Not too long ago, it was below 0.2. Now it's 0.211, which still, if that if this were, if the season were over today, that would still be lower than any season in Andrew Wiggins' career in terms of free throw rate. And that's the primary reason why Wiggins' rookie season looks so much better. You look at win shares or box plus minus or real plus minus or any of those numbers. Wiggins had a better rookie year than Edwards is having so far. And if you had to boil it down to one thing, I mean, again, they were both bad defensively. They've, they've shot almost identical 31% from outside the arc. The biggest issue is the free throw rate. 
and as better as much as Anthony Edwards has been better than Andrew Wiggins with assist rate and lower turnover rate, higher steal rate, all that stuff. The la- the the low free throw rate is the biggest thing. Also, I should point out three point rate. Forty one and a half percent of Andrew, excuse me, of Anthony Edwards' shot attempts are threes. Andrew Wiggins shot only 11% of his field goal attempts as threes as a rookie. And that's obviously a completely different system. And frankly, a different, even six years later, this is a, d- a different day and age, different, you know, Chris Finch is a very different coach from Flip Saunders. And um, a- Anthony Edwards is is a modern NBA wing, a 19-year-old in today's game is going to want to shoot a lot of threes. And we've talked about this a ton on the show, catch and shoot situations. He's fantastic, or I shouldn't say fantastic. He's solid, but pull up jumpers, pull up threes. He's been really bad this year. And that continues to be a a significant chunk of his three point attempts. So to boil it all down, Edwards is better in terms of assist rate, turnover rate, rebound rate, all that stuff. Equally as bad defensively as Wiggins was as a rookie. Takes a lot more threes, but makes the same percentage. Free throw rate is the biggest discernible difference between what Wiggins did as a rookie and what Edwards is doing as a rookie. And that's something that that is going to catch up. We've already seen it tick upwards over the past two or three weeks. Edwards is starting to be more aggressive. The Wolves, with Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell and eventually Malik Beasley on the floor, there's going to be a lot more space for Anthony Edwards to operate. The floor is going to be spread out a lot more, more legit potent shooters on the perimeter is going to allow Edwards to get to the rim and face less traffic. For a while, teams were just completely collapsing on Edwards in the paint, and they've been able to do less of that with Russell on the floor more often and Edwards playing with Towns more often. So I really do think that the peripherals here suggest that Edwards is going to continue improving offensively. The free throw rate is the biggest thing, and that goes hand in hand with shot selection. Um, it's not like Edwards is shooting a crazy number of mid-range jumpers, but he is shooting too many pull-up threes when he'd be better suited to pump fake and drive to the basket or dish to a teammate and uh, you know cut to the basket in almost like a give-and-go type situation, try and get himself free that way. We've seen Finch call some plays with Edwards off the ball as a cutter more recently, and I think that there needs to be a little bit, a little bit of a better cadence to that because it's going to build confidence in Edwards. And if Edwards gets the ball in his hands going downhill and ends up with it a step from the rim, he's going to throw it on dunks on everybody. He's going to get fouled. He's going to make shots at the rim. And to me, that is the best way to utilize Edwards offensively, at least at this stage in his career. You've got D'Angelo Russell to handle the ball. You've got Ricky Rubio to handle the ball. You've got, to a lesser extent, um, you know, Carl Anthony Towns has been creating a little bit, initiating offense on the perimeter. So get Edwards involved in cuts and, and do some different things there. So the overarching key takeaway from this is is the peripherals and the overall profile of Anthony Edwards as a rookie is similar to Andrew Wiggins. In a vacuum, he hasn't been as good as Wiggins was as a rookie, but the peripherals to me are more encouraging. I think that if he can fix his shot selection, draw more fouls, which he's starting to do, and I think he will continue to do, and just improve a little bit on the glass and, and obviously defensively. It took a couple of years for Andrew Wiggins to legitimately improve as an NBA player. And, and I think Edwards could improve qu- more quickly because of the way that he plays and, and some of these other successes we've seen from him. So um, a fascinating thing to watch. And the two, in my mind, will always be linked simply because of the similarities in, in them as, as draft prospects, their supposed surefire profiles coming into the league and of course, 19-year-old rookies on on the Wobegon 
or for the Wobegon Timberwolves franchise. I, I, to me, there's just always going to be a comparison there, and, and we'll definitely keep a pulse on it. When the season's over, I'll, I'll do a little bit of a deeper dive and kind of compare their rookie seasons as well. So um, next, what I want to do is talk Wolves-Heat and that matchup on Friday night when Jimmy Butler and the Heat are in town at Target Center. First, though, let's talk about our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NBA, MLB, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON. That's the promo code locked on to get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft with the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and more four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Follow the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Okay, let's talk Timberwolves Heat Friday night action at Target Center. Miami Heat have had a weird season. Um, remember, they started kind of alternating wins and losses for like the first three weeks of the season. Jimmy Butler was out for a little while. This team actually was six and twelve um, at one point, or seven and fourteen actually, seven and fourteen on February third. Then they ripped off four game, four wins in a row after Butler came back. Shortly after he came back. They lost three, then they won another six, and ultimately, it was a stretch where they won 11 of 12 games that carried through the All-Star break. So they won 11 of 12, we're, we're sitting at 22 and 18 in mid-March, and then lost six games in a row, mostly to good teams, um, really all likely playoff teams, I guess, except for Memphis, but they beat the Pacers, or lost the Pacers twice, they lost to Phoenix, lost to Portland, got beat at Charlotte. And then they were back below 500 at 22 and 24. Then they win four in a row and six of their next seven, including wins over teams like the Pacers, um, the Lakers, Portland. Now it's a LeBronless Lakers team. They also lost to Memphis in that stretch and they beat teams like Cleveland and Golden State and the Knicks, you know, not, not too exciting, but still you're looking at, a, this is a 28 and 27 team. Now they're fighting to. Um, to stay in the thick of the of the race in the Eastern Conference. They're going to make the playoffs. So right now they're seventh, but they're trying to get out of the play-in conversation. Remember, seven, eight, nine, ten are all in the play-in tournament, and they'd love to, to avoid that as much as possible. They're relatively healthy. I mean, they made some moves. They brought in Victor Oladipo. He's out for at least a couple more games with the knee issue. Um, but they made some moves at the deadline and have been largely healthy of late. But... Um, they just haven't been the same offensive team this year. I mean, last year, the Heat finished the season as the seventh best team in terms of offensive rating. This year, they're number 25 in the league. The defense has still been good, and they're they're number six in defensive rating, but the offense hasn't been good. They're 10th in three-point attempts per game, but they're 28th in percentage. That's worse than the Wolves. The Wolves are 26th in three-point percentage. The Heat are 28th, of course. I don't know. I'm sure what will happen is the Heat will have a, a lights out performance against the Wolves because teams are shooting north of 40% since the All Star break against the Timberwolves from three. Um, but the Heat don't rebound the ball super well. They're one of the few teams in the league that that actually has a uh, a lower total rebound 
great in total rebounds per game. They're last in offensive rebounding, so the Wolves shouldn't have too many issues with second chance points in this one and should be able to secure defensive rebounds. Of course, that's been one of their major weaknesses this year. Um, Jimmy Butler's been fantastic once again in in just kind of a different way. Um, He's shooting his worst three-point percentage of his career, except for his rookie season. He's shooting the least amount of threes in terms of rate since his second year in the league. He's only attempting two threes per game, and he's shooting under 24% on threes. However, he's still getting to the line just an insane at an insane clip, not quite what he was last year. His free throw rate last year was 0.693, which is so crazy. This year, it's a 0.541, so still well above his career average, still well above where he was even in Minnesota and in his final couple years in Chicago. It's right in line with that. Um, but, I mean, that's that's Butler's calling card, right? It's getting into the mid-range and, uh, you know, the elbows, drawing fouls. He doesn't score all that much at the rim, but he draws tons and tons of fouls. And the crazy thing is that his usage rate is tied for his career high this year. So he's still getting his, but his assist rate is astronomical. 36.7%. His turnover rate is lower than it was last year. And that's the reason for his overall um, improved play. And the fact that there's a handful of guys on the heat that have had disappointing seasons, more than a handful. Um, I mean, Tyler Heroes won, right? And everybody expected him to suddenly blossom into a, a, almost a star. He hasn't been very good this year. Um, I mean, you look at, I mean, Bam Adebayo is obviously fantastic, but basically the rest of this roster has disappointed on some level. Duncan Robinson's been good. Kelly Olenek, before before they moved on from him, was good. Um, It's just been, it's been a a disappointing season, to say the least, for the Heat, but not for Jimmy Butler. Um, Even though the three-point numbers are down, everything else is is up, the assist rate way up, and he's been great defensively still. Now, even he's 31 years old, but he just keeps doing what he does defensively, and and he's obviously a a really tough customer, Um, and and he's what makes this team go. And if I'm not mistaken, I don't know that he's played at Target Center since he left the Timberwolves because last year he missed the heat game at the beginning of the season in, in Minnesota. I think he uh, maybe was having a, a kid. I think it was on paternity or something, paternity leave. And two years ago he was injured when the Sixers played at target center. So I, I believe if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time Jimmy Butler's played as a visitor at target center um, since he was traded away from Minnesota in November of what was that? November of 18 at this point. Yeah, November of 18. And then, of course, Tibbs was fired that uh, that January. Ryan Saunders takes over. Butler finishes the season with the Sixers and then and then spends last season with the Heat, the 19-20 season, and then this year, uh, year two with the Heat. So um, at any rate, this should be a really fun matchup. It'll be it'll be interesting to see, you know, the probably the Butler-Josh Okogie matchup, any interactions between Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler. Um, it, it should be a fun game. The Wolves should have a shot at this one. I mean, the Heat... Yes, they went to the finals last year. No, they're not themselves, uh, or they're not the same team that went to the finals last year. And the Timberwolves should have should have a chance to make this thing competitive with Towns, with Russell, and uh, you know a full complement of players minus minus uh, Malik Beasley, who's still out with the hamstring injury, and then Jalen Noel's also listed as questionable for this game. So we'll be back after the game, probably early Saturday. We'll have a, a post game pod, which will do uh, you know game flow, key takeaways, as well as individual studs and duds. So be sure that if you're not already following the podcast, please do. You can follow anywhere that you listen to podcasts, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and of course, the all new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves or at B Beacon. That's B Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. 
That's all we have for you today. Thanks once again for listening to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. A reminder that today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.